Hello! And hello! Uh, uh, welcome to uh, another episode of You Said 100 Miles. <laughs> uh, I'm Bob, joining me today, uh, my lovely co-host Sass. Hello everybody. Uh, for those of you who um, have been listening along, uh, you know, thank you um, to my good, uh, you n- probably noticed that we have a new intro. Um that uh, I will have gone back and applied to the previous episodes. So people who are just discovering us are going to be like, why this in- weird intro? Um, but, you know, for everyone who's been since the beginning, uh, the uh, new intro uh, from my good friend, uh, Neil Thomas, uh, who uh, likes doing those podcast themes uh, <laughs> on side. So if you enjoyed that and you're interested, let me know. He got our podcast all gussied up and ready to go to the ball. So we appreciate that. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Um, so. So Bob, we have listeners. That's kind of freaking me out. I'm not going to yeah, lie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think uh, I told you a little earlier. I tried to, you would, you'd been telling me like, Hey, people are starting to listen to this. And I went, oh, and I actually went back and tried to listen to a few of our older episodes to see if, I don't know, I repeat myself or I said anything ridiculous Mm -hmm. and realized it, two podcast episodes and I was like, I can't listen to my own voice anymore. (laughs) This, this, uh, uh, this is the way to madness. So I have to cut out. So if, hello, new people, but if, uh, yeah, if I repeat myself or anything like that, I'm sorry, we're just going to have to go forward with this. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you know, it's funny because I. Um, I absolutely hate my voice when I listen to it. I, it drives me insane. And, um, you know, and I, and I know like I have like this, like the most vague of notion of the science behind why your voice sounds so different to you when you're talking versus when you listen to a recording. Um, but it, it is uh, kind of crazy, like how different, uh, <laughs> it really is. Um, so uh and thank you yes to all the people who have uh started to listen uh big shout out to all the folks on the slack uh i know uh, a great deal of those listeners are coming from there and uh we appreciate you and uh thank you for this journey that we're on and i didn't really expect to promote it or anything until really until i kind of put a bow on it and it was a package good but it's good to get people listening to it now too and to be able to provide feedback and um and try and enhance it so thank you everyone uh for listening um and with that uh i guess we should kind of jump into you know why people are here <laughs> listening? Yeah, no. Tell <laughs> tell the good people why they've tuned in to listen to our our very strange sound. Well, voices. for you, they're they're listening. Oh, for you. just for me? Yeah, for you. They said, <laughs> they're like, screw the guy who's running a hundred miles. We want to hear that woman who a uh, co-host with him who won't who's a <laughs> bit of a princess about the temperature and won't go further than a five k. <laughs> Um, you were very popular. I'm just saying. Oh, jeez, <laughs> it's a hundred dollars for an autograph, but that can be debated. All right. <laughs> everything's negotiable (laughs) um yeah so last time we chatted uh back in december Mm -hmm. um and you know i I think i I, it was i'm I'm shooting for like one episode a month Uh, i think that's good i think more than that is like 
okay, so I trained for the last two weeks. <laughs> right? Like, okay. <laughs> not, a intros- not a lot of introspection in those. No. So it's like, and, you know, as as the, as the we go through the, you know, the, the rest of the year, I'll have some scattered races that are, um, that are training. Um, but, you know, really from today until July 29th, there's really only one thing, and that is the Badger. Mm, and everything okay. I'm doing from now until then is in service of the Badger. The Badger is your new 100-mile goal, right? Yes. That's the 100-mile? Okay. Yes. So even, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess we could talk about it now. Like, um, we we found a 5K that we're going to do. Hooray! Um, are you registered yet? I am going to do it tonight. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so we found a 5k and, uh, we're going to do that. And so you might be saying, well, Bob, 5k is not a hundred training. Why are you doing that? Um, but what I, I wanted to do that now, I want to do a short kind of, uh, training period of working on running economy. Um, and then as soon as the 5k is over, you know, really jump heavy into, um, into my, in my normal, you know, quote unquote normal, uh, endurance training. It's such a different kind of distance and and training that you've been doing, then you've been doing for a while. It would probably just be interesting data to collect. Like if you're trying to do anything like it. Uh, it's always really interesting to kind of look back and say like, well, how do I feel when I do a much shorter distance versus like, you know, you've been training for a hundred and now we're going to back up to a 5k, you know, what does your body feel like? What kind of, you know, what's your wind looking like all that. And I think there's a couple, like I have some, I have a couple of reasons for why I wanted to. And I've been saying, I've been telling like the folks in my running club this for months and I, I could feel them rolling their eyes. (laughs) That as one they're, as they're listening to yeah this. they're like yeah sure bob every time you sign up for a race it's longer than the last one you did are you sure you're gonna do a 5k program you actually you sent me the link and at first i thought i was a little confused because it pops up it says the half and i was like yeah. bob we said 5k not half what are you yeah. doing <laughs> i know well i you know, to be honestly i did debate like whether i wanted to do a half marathon program or a 5k program and well one i know you're a 5k person mm-hmm. so i was like that it'll, it'll be more fun to do it with someone yeah and two um it's a, a half marathon training program is like 12 weeks yeah versus a 5k program is eight weeks oh yeah so it's like i didn't want to i didn't want to half-ass it and like jump into a half marathon program late uh, when I go and do a half marathon, next time I do a half marathon, I really want to crush it. Mm. Like I, I know from Chicago, like my split time on the half at Chicago was two Oh one. So I know if I go out and just run a half, I'll break two hours. And if I, you know, do a training program for it and I really focus on it and I, you really, really, really go hard at it. I'm not sure where I could hit, but that's what I'd want to do. So um, if I'm actually going to do a training program for a half and not just go show up at a half and run for fun, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to half-ass it. So that's why I was like, okay, let me do an, let me do a 5K program 
that's eight weeks. It won't, you know, that's, it won't eat much more away from my, uh, my, uh, my hundred training calendar. Um, and it, it also does something else. I've been so focused on distance endurance training. It just be nice to switch it up, do something a little different. Um, and I talked about running economy before I want to, I, I do feel like if I can spend eight weeks and make some serious, you know, improvements in my running economy, that's going to help me at the hundred too. Because if my, if I can get my heart rate to drop just a little bit or basically make my easy pace just a little faster that's going to help me, you know, hike faster and, you know, not sweat as much at lower, you know, at those paces. So, you know, there is a, there is a method to my madness here. Um, I'm not going to lie. I do picture us both running this and like I'm just kind of telling myself, like, just get to the end. You can do it. You can do it. And then you're just kind of jogging past me, drinking a beer like, oh, what a delightful day it is for a 5K. Don't you agree, Sass? Like, well, I'm sweating buckets and <laughs> dying a little bit. Um, As much as I would, you know, I might enjoy like that <laughs> doing that just as for fun. Uh, I guarantee you I will be dying during that 5k because <laughs> i think the only other race you and i've ever done was a 5k through the morton arboretum yeah we got beer afterwards which was really nice of them yes it was uh and i hope there's beer at this one. Oh, that'd be awesome well i hope there's free beer at this one yeah there, no, no let's be clear free yeah, beer yeah <laughs> like there, i can buy there, my own but. there's guaranteed to be beer of some cor- kind but i want a fr- i want a free beer i want a free i want, the, I want to cross the line and just have a volunteer hand me a full crisp beer. They do that at the Chicago Marathon. Oh, you that's get, beautiful. You get across. You get across the start. Uh, you know the finish line. You get your medal, and then like one of the first things is like this big like uh, trailer where they're handing out Goose Island, <laughs> and it's hysterical because like it's so last year twenty twenty one when I ran it, um. I got to the end and I was so dead. I grabbed a beer. I took one sip and I was like, I can't. Did your stomach just wouldn't accept it? My, or My whole body. Your whole body. <laughs> wouldn't accept it. Um, this this past year, 2022, and I ran it, um, I got to the end and, you know, I had that beer. It was a good time. Good. All I, right. And I mean, that just speaks, uh, one, the weather was a lot better. But two also speaks a lot to how much I was able to improve my fitness. It in the shows year. your progress in a very like yeah. you know quantifiable way, which is always lovely. Yeah, it also means I could have run a little harder. Oh, except the win, <laughs> except the win. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So yeah, it's like so it's like yeah. I this all races should have a a someone like just handing you a beer. <laughs> just a very nice. Like don't make me end. like get money out and like. Even okay, if you're gonna charge me for it, if you're gonna charge charge me before the race, yeah, sort of to think about it after. Yeah, it just, your mind is nowhere after a race. And you know what? Yeah. They can have like non-alcoholic beers if that's what you need. We'll cover everybody. Just let's fireball, malort, amazing. Oh my god, malort, malort. That seems more like a punishment. Like ah, oh, you <sighs> fell behind your time. Here's a shot of malort. <laughs> 
<laughs> your body will remember this. It's it's for the best. That would be funny if you had like a kiosk at the end <laughs> where like at the beginning start of the race you got to you got to like enter in what your um what your goal time is mm-hmm. and if you hit your goal time you get a shot of whatever you want mm-hmm. even from this like top tier whatever <laughs> the and, good liquor <laughs> and if you fail you get the alert. i honestly if if nobody's invented that yet or made that race i feel we should put it together because that'd we be should. a lot of fun yeah um <coughs> uh, but you you probably have to do it like you couldn't just make it like pass fail right because people would cheat and they just take a pick a slower time you'd have to be like you'd have to deal with like one of these races where like you guess your time mm, okay. and then you if you're not within like two minutes of your time mm-hmm. or like the closer you are to your time <coughs> like Sorry. the higher up the shelf you can go hey you know what you should have like a like a staircase almost and on each step is a different kind of liquor as you if go you're, up with if the you're time within, next to it. If you're within 30 seconds, here's a glass of like Johnny Walker Blue. Mm-hmm. If you're within a minute, you know, so on and so forth. Until then, you're finally down to Malort. Because the real, the real thing, we'd have to come up with a fun pun on Malort to make t-shirts or something. Because the whole thing is like, the Malort is the punishment. So... <laughs> I don't know how we would spin that in a fun way, but I'm sure we could I bet if we out. reached out to Jepsons, that would totally like officially oh, sponsor it too. Oh, I bet they would. <laughs> um, man, that was quite a tangent. It was. I didn't even remember where we were. We'll swing back though. So, okay, Bob, you had a race over the weekend. I did. And I do want to bring up that um, in order to prep for this race, we had a blizzard in Chicago yes. like two, three weeks ago. And Bob, what did I do like two, three days before the blizzard actually hit? I sent you a very fun text that was like, ha, ha, ha. Hey, Bob, don't run in the blizzard. I know you want to. Tee, hee, hee. What'd you do, Bob? I went and ran in the blizzard. Of course you did. Yep. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I did go run in the blizzard. I stared at my phone like a... Like a, a a crazy person thinking like, no, he didn't run in the blizzard. That totally ruins my joke. And he wouldn't do that. <laughs> so Bob, tell me, tell me the crazy race you did that made you run in the blizzard to prep. Tell me what you did. So, um, so this weekend I was up in, um, St. Croix, uh, state park. And now it's right outside Hinkley, Minnesota. Uh, for a 40-mile uh, race uh, on snowmobile trail. Okay. Is this through the woods? Like, are there woods here, or is it, like, open terrain? No, it, it's wooded. It's wooded. It, but okay. it, it's like a groomed trail. Okay, okay. So, you know, there, there are sections that are a little more open. There are sections that are more heavily wooded. It really, you know, it, it's kind of open. Um, I will just dispense with the suspense now i dnf this race really okay I uh i so you have 16 hours to complete it mm-hmm. and it's two laps two 20 mile loops now normally it's a 140 mile loop okay but because of trail damage from said storms mm. that were terrible um they couldn't get the full trail open for the race so, uh, in the end, uh, they, they had to restrict it to a 20 mile loop that you did twice. And, 
so you have 16 hours to do it. It took me eight and a half hours to do the first loop. Okay. So the quick math on that one says, there, yeah. yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like you can, I mean, I'm assuming it's not like the next half of it was just going to be like, oh yeah, eight and a half, no problem. And even that's over the time. Like right. the last half of it was probably a lot harder and you'd probably be going a little slower, I'm imagining. Yeah. So it, what was what was kind of um, interesting about this one, I, I mean, so this was, this is what they call a winter ultra. Um, and the the whole concept is like, it's kind of like, it's a survivalist race. Um, it's not like, the, you know, trail races where every five miles there's an aid station with a little party happening mm. or, you know, and uh, tons of food and fireball. Um, is it mostly just, are there aid stations, but they're mostly there no. to, kind of, there's no aid stations. No. Like no one even there to make sure you're doing okay. Well, they're, they, they have like, they have people who were going around the trail. Okay. You know, on uh, cross country skis and snowmobiles to make sure people are okay. I mean, otherwise, there's not a race, right? Like, it's just... It would also be very easy for somebody to um, passively die on that. Right. <laughs> you know, so that's, that, you know, that's part of, um, you know, having... Is the, you know, and, and they had, like, a at the start finish, like, the people were there to take care of you if you needed it. But mm-hmm. the whole point of the race is to go out and do it and survive and on your own. Okay. It's very much like a solo effort. It's like there's you don't have crew, you don't have pacers, you're just out there. So it's very cool. Um <clears throat> So you've got pacers, do you No pacers. No pacers. So okay, you I know put a tent up to kind of prepare for this. Do you have a tent on you? Do you have to stop and take breaks? What's the laydown of this? So, the lowdown, sorry. So there's a there's a required gear list. Um and so you have to um, bring all of that with you um, t- so that, y- you know, there's somebody checking the gear mm-hmm. um, when you when you first get there. So here, I'll read, you, I'll read through the, the gear list real quick. You have to have a zero degree or lower rated bag. And it has to, like, say it on the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a bivy sack. What is that? So bivy sack is basically like a cocoon. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a okay. watertight cocoon. Like, yeah, to, like a sleeping bag almost. It's like not your a whole body. It's not a sleeping bag. It's just like it's like a glorified tarp. Okay, is what it is. But they're you know they keep the weather out, so you you know you can fit basically you and your sleeping bag in a bivy, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So um, they're they're not the most comfortable thing. Um, and when I did my test with it, I actually had some pretty good claustrophobia mm-hmm. um, to the point that I, I was really worried about it. Okay. Um, and and not that it really would have been that much of a problem at this race because you don't like you need to have the baby, but you don't you're not out there long enough that you would actually really need. The bivy. Okay. Um, but in some of the longer races, like if you were going to do the Tuscobia 160, 
Like, that's such a long race. Like, you're probably going to need to pull over on the side of the trail and and sleep for a little while. Sure. Um, and bivvies are light. They don't necessarily, you know, some bivvies have poles, some don't. So they're easy um, to set up quickly in harsh environments. So that's why, like, when I did the test in the tent out in the yard, mm-hmm. that was mostly because I had had that claustrophobia problem and I just really wanted to test that the sleeping bag was going to work well okay for me and it did fortunately so but you know I didn't take the tent with me out um to this race though if um if I was still having the claustrophobia problem and I went to a different race I probably would take the tent instead okay because in a survival situation i'd rather you know you the last thing you need is to be having like a, a panic attack from claustrophobia mm, I'm, I'm very claustrophobic so like yeah. i yeah panic is just not your friend in any no. situation let alone when you're trying to keep yourself alive in so although a funny story on the bivy we'll get to later you need a sleeping pad mm-hmm. uh a stove fuel to have it with, um, you must have at least four ounces of fuel left at the end. Uh, a one pint uh, pot, a fire starter, headlamp, uh, three flashing red LED lights. Mm. Now, so you had to have one on your front and two on your back. Okay. And this is because these are snowmobile trails. And snowmobiles could come flying up past you at 50 miles an hour. Okay. So, like, those little red blinking lights that runners will, like, clip on them, like, they're not powerful enough. So these needed to be, like, bike commute grade lights that are very bright. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, they wear on you as the night goes on. Okay, okay. Uh, 20 inches reflective material, 10 front and 10 back. It's essentially just a reflective vest. Sure. 3,000 ready-to-eat emergency calories. Smart. To be able to to be considered a finisher, you must have all 3,000 of those calories at the finish line. Really? Like, you, you, can't, that's, you can't... That's odd to me, because what if you needed the calories? Wouldn't they rather you eat them? The, well, yeah, but... Then you don't finish. Is the idea that you would bring enough food that you wouldn't need to touch those, so you're kind of over-preparing? Right. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So the, um, I, I think in other races do the, the calorie thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's kind of out of this sense of like, if you tell people they need them to finish, like they're not, you know, you know they're going to have 3,000 calories on them in the worst case scenario. And they're not going to touch it until they're really in a survival scenario. Mm-hmm. So, because if you just tell people you need to take 3,000 calories out with them, they'll take 3,000 calories exactly. Mm-hmm. And they'll try and go the rest of the way, the, the whole thing without it, end up in a bad situation and then not have anything to eat. And because, like, if when you're if you're really cold and you're in a survival situation, mm-hmm. you want to eat calories because that digestion will heat your core. Okay. 
It's because like one of the things they tell you about like if you're really cold out and and you need to get warm, eat something, jog around your campsite for a minute, and then get in your sleeping bag. Okay. So the your digestion will warm up, help warm you up, which will warm, and, you know, and that's overall. So that's what that's the requirement. Because if if you go out, like there might have been people at this race who took their three thousand calories and were like, "I'm not taking much of anything." Me, I had plenty of food. Yeah. But it's like because it becomes, you know, once you get more proficient at it, like you're trying to like keep your weight as low as possible and this, that, and the other. And people will take risks that maybe are kind of stupid. So you're carrying all of this. So the idea... Everything, yeah. We just went over, I had on a sled with me. Okay. So people might think, oh, I'm going to cut down on the amount of food I'm bringing because I want it to be lighter. But this, it it makes sure that you are having enough calories just in case something happens. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you end up in a survival situation, which can happen, like they, they feel a little more comfortable. Um, And I think there was one more thing on the required gear list. Oh, insulated water containers for 75 ounces of water minimum. So, um, I had three of these now jeans with, uh, these uh, kind of this, uh, it's called reflectix insulation. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll show you after, Sure. but they're, you know, it's kind of this homemade DIY thing and it, it was pretty cool. So, so you got all that, you need to carry all that gear and that's just the required gear. That's nothing like. That's that. There's nothing else in that list, and so. You know, because like I had like a, uh, I had a dry bag with like my, shit hit the fan. Something went really wrong. Okay. With like my puffy jacket, and a pair of snow pants. Um. Do you remember what the temperature was day of? Because it's ah, been surprisingly warm yes. in Chicago. So that's. That's what was really troubling. Mm. It's like I had those days where it was minus 10 out here and I did some training and, and like my gear performed great. Temperature at race start was like 27 degrees. It's it's really shocking because January in Chicago, like we usually just brace ourselves and like hunker down because it's zero or negative five yeah. or something. And this winter has been, uh, you know, climate change, very strange because you're right. It was, it's been, it, what is it? Like the fifties right now? It's yeah. very weird. It was like, I ran today in a t-shirt and shorts. It's baffling. Um, it's weird. And so, but so you know, it's still below freeze. So this presented a really big challenge. And I was really worried about this all week. Um, because it, it presented a couple of challenges. One, the snow was very soft. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a groomed trail. So typically, you know, what you're hoping for, if it was colder, it firm up really firm, like almost to be like rock solid. Because you have, I've seen them kind of like I, uh, like chains almost for your shoes, right? Yeah, I do. And that would have been something you would take it into consideration had it been colder and, and icier or no? If like, it was not this. Yeah, I, I would use those for ice. Okay. Um, But just like really firm snow, no, I wouldn't need that. But um, 
it was very soft. So every, you know, there were, there were firmer spots, but for a lot of the trail, every time I took a step, squish. Okay. Step, squish. Step, squish. Um, and that was really hard um, for me. So even at the start of the race, when, like, I had a lot of energy, um, I, like, every time I pulled this, or, like, it's just, you're using so much energy. And I looked at my watch at my pace, and, mind you, I knew I, this was not going to be fast. Like, I knew going into it, this is going to be pretty much just a hike. Uh, but I was hoping, like, that I'd be able to stick around 20-minute miles. Mm-hmm. And then that first mile, I look at my watch, I'm like, 20 minutes has passed. I am not near a mile yet. And granted, there was a couple of, there was the, so the race starts with you and your bivy. Oh, oh, okay. So five minutes before race start, everybody has to get in their bivy. And then when the horn blows, everyone gets out, packs up, and goes. Mm-hmm. So that's the first skill check. Okay. There are two skill checks. Um. So, yeah, I mean, it was going to be more than 20 minutes just from packing up and going. And, like, I, I have this, like, these Gore-Tex outer mittens mm-hmm. that I use. Um, and I dropped one, and I couldn't find it. And it was, like, so it was a little frantic getting out of uh the start gate how many people did this was like a good good amount or i believe there were so you can run it you can ski it or you can bike it okay i want to say so the bike the run and ski started at the same time i want to say there were like 40 to 50 of us that is i thought you were gonna say like five (laughs) five people who were like "Mm, we're gonna do this in the middle of january i'm gonna do it well it's it was interesting because, I mean, I was one of probably just a couple of out-of-towners. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone there was local Minnesota. That makes more sense Wisconsin. to me, actually, because yeah. you're more used to the temperatures. You know the area. Well, and you can train on it. See, one of the, one of the, one of the things that I think really goofed me was I, I didn't have a – I only had one opportunity to pull my sled before I went to the race. Mm-hmm. Now, I did talk to the race director after – um, you know, he saw me come in and we, we chatted for a little bit and, you know, the one thing he recommended to me was if I do it again, do tire training, pull tire. Okay. No, that's smart. That's yeah. real smart. And I, I knew about that. Um, but it just, I didn't have time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think a, a good chunk of the problem here was just that I think thought i was i had thought that you know with just where i was fitness wise for you know having to having trained up for a hundred and i ran really well all through december i ran over 200 miles in december like that i was going to be in a good spot and that even though you know i hadn't been you know i wasn't i wasn't treating this race as an a race this was my goal going into this race was to find out about winter ultras and is this something I wanted to do. So, you know, in my head, it's like, okay, I know I'm not going to get up there and, you know, podium. 
um, by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you know, I should be able to finish Mm -hmm. and, um, I will eat my humble pie that no, you've really like even this, which is like kind of what, um, the race directors say is like, this is like, this is that first rate. This is a a way for you to, to, to kind of dip your toe in the winter ultras. You you need to train for this. This is not a show up and and see. Yeah, and uh, I have a lot more respect for that now. Well, this is very different than I think any other race you've ever told me about. Like yeah. just between the gear and the temperature and um, the kind of training you'd probably have to do. So you've yeah. okay. You've told me that like you know the the kind of midpoint was dicey a little bit i guess Mm -hmm. will you do a winter ultra like what did you like this would you do it again so i don't know is the short answer um you know i i while i was out there on the i had a really good time probably up until about mile 10 and at mile 10 um i think it's about 10 11 i started having a couple problems and uh, and then we hit this really hilly section. <laughs> oh, come on. And I appreciated, like, everyone I ran into in that area was like, fuck these hills. Like, <laughs> I don't, that's my thought. No matter what I'm doing, running, biking, I was on the Ragbri once, and I was like, oh, fuck these hills. Fuck like, these does, hills. Is there a person out there who is like, oh, yeah, hills? Because if you exist, please drop us a line. I'd love to meet you. You sound fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it just, it really took, like, up until that point, like, I felt like, okay, I'm moving fast enough. I'm going to finish. Mm-hmm. Then we hit the hills, and it just destroyed me. Okay. And uh, I got on the other side of the hills, and I was, I was so, like, beat up and defeated and uh just just mentally out of it and one of the things they they, you hear it a lot in marathoning um in in further especially a lot in ultra marathoning is like you have to remember your why why are you doing this Mm -hmm. because in those low moments you you need to to sit back in on it and the problem I had at this race is I went back to my why. Why am I here? And I said, I'm here because I want to to see what this is all about. And that's not a very good reason to continue to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, because I was really trying hard to balance, like moving f- as quick as I could, but not sweating. Because that's a kiss of death. Mm-hmm. You're still below freezing. Even though it's warm, you're still below freezing. You can still go hypothermic super quick if you start sweating. And, um, you know, you're going to sweat a little bit no matter what. But if you start profusely sweating and you're drenched, you're in for a world of hurt. So, And I sweat heavy to begin with. So it's like I was trying really hard to balance that. And then just I was just working so much harder to pull the sled than I thought I would. And part of that might be because the snow was warm Mm. and it was melting faster, which would create more water tension. Um, 
and you know the whole bunch of science i mean and and what it comes down to is you know my fitness wasn't there for this event do you think that's coming off of i mean yeah tunnel hill was a while ago but also like being sick and going through the holidays and do you do you feel that it was the training like would, if you were going to do this again next year would you just train differently or i would train differently much differently yeah okay. i would definitely train differently um i could take a few pounds off my sled um you know there were things that i realized okay i really i really didn't need or i could you know multi-purpose some stuff yeah um I but I look at you know I went through everything on my slide and I said there's not that much I could take off of it okay um because you know to me it's like I I this is a risky environment to be in there are things that I'm just not going to be willing to part with you know out in this environment and so like my shit hit the fan i need to get dry and warm gear not parting with that no 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 right my first aid kit i'm not parting with that i mean there's a reason that people who say hike the appalachian trail or something like that like are walking around with these huge backpacks because there are just things you need to keep yourself alive in certain situations yeah i mean to be fair there you can get um you know, one of the things I've always wanted to do, I wanted to do, I would love to do the Knowles Wilderness uh, first aid class. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, that'd actually, be awesome. They actually have. Oh my God, if you do that, tell me. Yeah. I, I've wanted to do it. Um, REI offers the class mm-hmm. and they do them over here at the Morton Arboretum. I would love to because I, I try to keep my first aid and my CPR upgraded every year. Yeah. So that just, it's just a nice idea just in case something yeah. happens. <laughs> so, you know, if I, if I go through that and I, you know, really, really whittle down my first aid kit. Okay, maybe I can drop two pounds. Mm-hmm. But then you think about it, two pounds total? I mean, it'll help. Yeah. But it's it's like, I'm not, you're not, I, I you're not going to, I don't think I finish this race or don't finish this race if, you know, just based on lifting two pounds from the you sled. know yeah I don't, I don't think that makes i don't think that makes a big enough di- i don't think weight out of my slide makes a big enough difference um to to make or break uh on this one i think it's just my fitness wasn't there i think i was you know extremely tired um from jump and that has to do with life events in mm-hmm. general um and so you know, it it, it could have gone better. Um, I, but this is what, you know, whereas Tunnel Hill was really, I, I was sick. I knew I was sick. That probably fucked with my head a lot more than anything else. But I knew I had the fitness to do it. Had I been healthy. This one. This is the first time I've really felt like. I didn't have the fitness to do this. And. um, And I also didn't have that. I didn't have the drive. 
to finish this race again i would go back to like my why why i want to see what it's about you know if i do it again you know the why will be no i want to redeem myself i want to finish this race so you know we'll see um but anyways you asked me what would i do it again and I kind of got on a tangent on what went wrong and uh, the, in the, and I had a point in going down that path, which was like around that mile 11 mark, I started, um, I started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know that I'm having the experience that I want okay. out here. And I've heard people say it like, well, if you're not having fun, there's no harm in DNFing. Like, this is running. Oh, that's an excellent way to go into things. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that out loud to me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not messing around, though. That's a great way to go into certain things. Like, if you're having fun, get the hell out of here. You don't need to do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about any of this. Like, unless you're a professional runner and, you know, a shoe company is saying, you better go win some races, you don't need to. You never need to do this. Well, I feel like every message I've ever gotten is like, no, no, no. The the reward is finishing it no matter how you feel. So that's that is fascinating. I love that. And it's, I think it's just important to remember is like you don't need to do this. You want to do this. And you will. Yes, you will. You know, um, more often than not feel a great deal of satisfaction from finishing Mm -hmm. but the only reason you you're going and doing this is because you want to and so if you're not i don't like the i don't personally like the 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 viewpoint of it of like if you're not having fun you should drop or you'd be you're perfectly like well within your rights to drop Mm -hmm. i i i rephrase that a little bit to if you're not getting what you want out of it drop because here's the reality i'm not going to have a fun time for all 30 plus hours of a 100 race there are going to be low points and if you just drop because you're not having fun you're never going to get to the finish but it's really fa- I, I promise to keep this tangent short but it kind of fascinates me that we're when we're talking about this and um like I, I like to learn languages is like a hobby sure the amount of advice for running and language learning that overlaps is <laughs> I swear to God all of it like you know it, I, no like you know are, are you getting something out of this do I love grammar exercises no but they're gonna get me someplace you yeah. know think about your why when you're really struggling and I'm I'm starting to think like just in general like do Doing something very difficult is it has a lot of the same kind of bare bones advice. Yes. Well, and it's interesting since I started running and I mean, everyone in my life at this point knows like there's no point in asking me what I've been doing because <laughs> everyone knows what, what the answer is. Bob, where are you going? Oh, you're going for a run. Okay. Yeah. yeah Got okay. back from a run. Okay. 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 Um, but you know, and, and I think this is just kind of part of, you know, uh, maturing and and getting to this stage of life is this this realization that if you want to be good at something, if you really want to be good at something, 
even just an even just an amateur mentality you have to devote yourself to it you have to give it its time mm-hmm. you know I, I, I think back to like being in my 20s and like I want to do this I want to do that and it was like kind of all over the place and yeah I'd love to go try that or I'd love to go try this mm-hmm. and it's great to have that you know that that kind of curiosity and desire to try new things but you know you can be you can do that but you're never going to be great at any of it um well, I think there's kind of a mentality sometimes like, okay, so I, I played the violin as a kid and I loved it, but it's sort of understood that like if you don't start at like three or something like that, you're never going to be a master, but you have to ask yourself, is that what I'm doing, right. what I'm doing this for? Do I just like playing an instrument? Do, does yeah. that enrich my life in a way? And I think that's, you're right, as an adult, you start looking at what you're doing and going, I want to dedicate time to things that will enrich my life. And if I want to enrich my life, I got to dedicate time to it. Right. And, you know, you could be, like, enriching your life could just, could be simply, I like trying new things. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing that. But, um, you know, if if you enjoy, like, bef- when I was still living in the city, I played pool. If you want to be good at pool, you got to play all the time. And it has this coincidental uh, overlap with drinking and being in bars shut what what Um, but like (laughs) i remember i remember i was in the bar you know i went out five six seven nights a week shooting pool and uh and i had like a really good jump in in skill you know in only like two years but even then i still was not very good And it would have taken, you know, maybe if I had kept doing it for years and years and years, you know, I would have gotten really good. Um, But I I think it's just that thing. It's like there is not enough time in the world or in your you do not as as people. We do not have enough time to get good at everything. Mm. You know, and, and if if there's something you love and you you want to get good at it, you have goals you want to achieve, and they're hard goals. You're going to have to devote time to it. You're going to have to put other things. You're going to have to make choices about what you prioritize, and I've seen that just so much with running. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, and like. I was listening to a podcast about a guy who paints. Yeah. And he said a friend asked him, are you any good? And he goes, you know, it never would have occurred to me because I don't, I'm doing this to like, you know, yeah, I'm doing it every day and I'm sure I'm getting better, but it's more of an enrichment thing. Yeah. Now, if you were doing something like that and you're like, oh, I paint every day and I do want to get better, then you would start paying attention to certain things. I think, I think what we're both kind of talking about is that there's this weird mentality, at least I think, where if you're doing something, you want to be the best at it. And unless you're an Olympic athlete, that's just not feasible for most of the people in your life. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try and learn and grow and dedicate time to things. Like that's more the mindset I think you get when you're about our ages. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I know for, for the things that I want to do, I know I have to put in X amount of work. And I know a lot of people in ultras, will say like you know it's it's more in your head than anything Mm -hmm. but there is that level of fitness that you need to attain 
like if you're gonna run a hundred miles, you need to have a certain amount, level of fitness. And like someone said it, like you got to have a certain level of fitness. You got to be smart about it, and you got to be tough. Um, the, the favorite thing I ever heard from somebody though was like, if you're gonna be stupid, you got to be really tough. <laughs> Oh, let's cross stitch that and put it on a pillow. Yeah, right. Amazing. It was uh, it was so pretty because it's like you can go out and you could run. Like the guys who inspired me to to sign up for a hundred, um, Chris Bono and John Reeder, mm-hmm. uh, they ran the Badger One Hundred. They're uh, the head and assistant wrestling coaches at University of Wisconsin. Okay. These guys are not runners. They got hooked up with this guy Pete Ripmaster who has won the Iditarod Trail wow. Invitational. Um, just complete badass. And, and, like, they got talked into signing up for the Badger 100. And these guys showed up. You know, they trained. Mm-hmm. But they hadn't... They'd never been, like... Like, they, they ran the bare minimum they had to. And... Um... And they came out and they did this thing, and they finished. And but like they were, they had to be like carried from the start line because they were so just destroyed. Oh, like so chafed, like blood coming out of every. No, my God, those poor guys. Like, but they're just so freaking tough mm-hmm. like there was no like the the idea that you would drop mm-hmm. like that's that was not an option to them sure and and they they finished and so you hear that and it's like yeah you can finish if you're really tough um i'd rather not be bleeding and like i mean dying at the end that would just make the photo up at the end really awkward (laughs) i mean mean, and that's not the listen i you're going to suffer at at least to some degree there's a certain amount of pain involved in learning anything whether it's like whether it's that you feel embarrassed because you're really bad at it when you start because there's that ugly period of learning to do anything which is always a delight yeah I remember the first time my dad ever took me out running because I re- he was like we're just gonna start with like gently building up to a mile. Um, at su- uh, at some point I had to stop and just hurl into the uh, into the underbrush, yeah. and he was like, "You okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine. We can we can we can keep going. We can keep going. It's fine." This yeah, is but fine. yeah, like yeah. I, I think I, and I I've noticed this with runners. Like at some point, all body functions just become on the table discussions. Because oh yeah. Uh, your snot and spit and everything like it, your body you and your body are your new best friends and it's also your absolute worst enemy and it's not really sure yeah. what you're doing to it so well and there and there's a freedom to that too like mm-hmm. you know when you're when you're when you get to a point where you know you can really say anything to a fellow runner about anything going on <laughs> and it, you 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 kind of feel like you've made it like to like, you know, it's if you run, you're a runner. End of story. Oh yeah. I get though. Why some people feel like X happened. And then I felt like a runner. I had a friend who'd started running and she called me and she's like, my toenails fell off. Is that okay? I'm like, Oh yeah, that's normal. That's absolutely fine. Welcome to the club. Right. You did it. You did it. Right. (laughs) 
I was really proud of her, actually. I'm like, look at your toenail came off. Oh, it's like losing your first tooth. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. You, like, you really have to, you have to dedicate yourself to it. If you, if this, if this is something you want to do, you want to run a hundred or you want to do any ultra marathoning. I, there's recently been a lot of discussion about like, oh, hundreds are the only thing that matter in ultra running and that's bullshit <laughs> it really is like because it, it just depends on what you want to do you know because if you think about it in terms of like the shorter distances right like you know 5ks can be the hardest races you ever run and we were like we were talking about earlier like when we go and run that 5k and i'm going all out mm-hmm. will i run faster than you Probably yes. Probably. Just, just, let's just say yes. No, yes. no, don't say probably. Say yes. <laughs> Unless I fall down and like break my face. Yes. I, I promise will. to run past you and wave. <laughs> I will. I'll help you up. <laughs> but you know, it's not like it's gonna be easy for me. Like I'm just gonna I'm gonna be at the finish line, like looking at it from a tenth of a mile out cursing in my head <laughs> dying trying to muster up the strength to not slow down for the next you know 400 meters. well you have, you're gonna like, have different goals in your head yeah and i feel like there's there's a i i don't know i feel like i always run into this group of people when i do a 5k which is usually like three or four of them they're all in matching shirts and this is the first 5k ever they've ever done they yep. train together to do this and the goal is just to finish it together and that's just as worthwhile and amazing as anything you or me or would do will do it's just what you want to do in your life with this and running it's, is just a really cool thing you could be doing it's what it's what it's what you want to do it's your goals and you know I, I do think people should set goals that challenge them. You know, if if you're an experienced marathoner and you set a goal to go finish a 5K, okay. Sure. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, Good for you. <laughs> you, you know, know unless, I guess. You've, unless you've had, like, a, a debilitating injury. And, <laughs> I think like, that's different. Yeah, right? That's like, very different. But, you know, set, set goals that challenge yourself and go out and try them, and you will. set goals for yourself that you could fail at I guess is the way because I guess what the problem with fun is that when we say like we want you to have fun it makes it sound like oh you will never you know have any hardships meeting the goal right but that's kind of baked into the fun of it which sounds insane i know but it kind of is you get to the end of it and you think back to all the the obstacles you ran into and the stuff you you know you worked through or the problems you had to solve and then that's what kind of builds you up and gets you to a different place yeah and i mean not every race needs to be your goal race Some races are just for the sweet, sweet swag. The swag? Yeah, the t-shirt looks good. I like it. (laughs) Or your your running club is supporting a local charity and you're running a 5K and you just, you know, you're going to go out and have fun. Some races are just that. They are purely for fun. But, Mm -hmm. you know, your goal races are going to be hard. And they should be hard. And that's why I just, that's why I don't like that for, if, you know, if you're not having, if you're not, getting what you want out of it Mm -hmm. then it's then you're you're fully justified in dropping and that's where i was at st croix is like 
I've gotten what I needed out of this, mm-hmm. which was to find out what, you know, the the race is all about, what winter ultras are. And so I've gotten what I've needed. Continuing on would not serve my purposes. Now, I wasn't officially cut off. The cutoff was 3 a.m. So I could have gone and done the second skill check. The second skill check was to boil some water. Okay. Um, and so I could have done that. Uh, it would have left me about seven hours and 20 minutes left. And I just, I, I looked at it and I was like, there's, I, I know my body. I know there's no chance of me doing that. So I call, I, you know, I threw in the towel and, uh, I went, so this is funny. I, I went, I ate a little bit. I sat and warmed up next to the fire and then I pulled out my bivy mm-hmm. and set it up. So they said we you could set up it like in our state, the staging area and, um, and take a nap before you drive home. Okay. Now most people are driving like two hours home, not eight hours home, Oof. but, um, actually it could I'm be. I'm really surprised you didn't get a hotel room after this thing. So, here's the problem. Okay. One, I drove up Saturday morning for the race that started at 4.30 p.m. So, I drove eight hours up there, putzed around, you know, got my stuff together, and then went and raised. So, um, I was I was so just unbelievably wrecked at that point, like... I just felt like um, there was no, like it would not have been smart for me to get behind the wheel of a car. Okay. Even, yeah. Even at that point, uh, even to go, you know, a half hour, hour to a hotel. That make okay. That makes that makes sense. But um, the other thing is, I just didn't want to spend the money. No, though no, that's fair. That's fair. So eggs are like five dollars. I get it. <laughs> And so it it was, and this is the bigger issue I think I I've had, and I kind of had this with Tunnel Hill too. Is like, I just didn't give myself enough time around the race, and part of that is, you know, last year I raced a lot, I was away from home, you know, too many days, too many nights, and so I was just really trying to minimize the amount of time that I was gone, like. For that race, if I do it again, I should go up the day before, sleep in really late, and, you know, get, you know, until they're basically kicking me out of my hotel room. <laughs> and then, um, you know, so that's why I'm glad this coming year, uh, granted St. Croix was one of my three, um, that... This coming year, I'm really, I've got my three goal races, St. Croix, the Badger, and probably Door County Fall 50, and that's it. And and I'm going to give myself more time at, we, you talked to Eric about it, like, I'm going to take off three days before the Badger. Um, and, and so, that was like, kind of something that happened to me this time, or, and the same thing happened at Tunnel Hill. Like I'm trying, like I was supposed to, I had taken off this past Friday, but I ended up having to work cause shit went sideways and shit was, go- shit at work was fucked up all week. Mm. So I didn't get the sleep that I needed. 
I ended up working the day before the race when I was supposed not supposed to. I was supposed to have all day to like get everything ready and be good to go. Instead, I was rushing again, and that just takes. Not only is it physically draining, it's mentally exhausting. It puts you. It starts you off on a bad foot. So I know for the Badger, I'm taking three days off. So even if shit goes weird and I have to like use one of those days, okay, I've still got two more days of like I can be calm. So But what's really interesting about the last two races you've done is that I know that this year was I mean, our our whole point of this podcast was trying to get you to Tunnel Hill and now we're carrying on with it, but I, I did not expect at all to to learn that maybe one of the more important pieces of the race is just kind of the, the buttressing of the race. Like, how are you walking into it, and then how are you leaving it? Because that seems to be having such a, a great, of a, a much bigger effect on how the actual race goes than I think I expected it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, it totally screws you. I mean, like, I, I, I'd understood, like, okay, yeah, get sleep the kind of the week before. That makes sense. But, it, yeah, no, it just never really occurred to me that you would need to, that much planning would need to go in to what's happening, like, literally the day of the race. Yeah. No, it's like you got um, just everything, like, the last, the race that I did the best was the Sugar Badger last year. Mm. And I had, like, and that was 50 miles and I had planned out I had my my drop bags ready they were good to go everything was set for Sugar Badger mm-hmm. I literally just had to get in the car and go and you know things were just less frantic for me at that point in time and so because um, the first race uh, the race before that Earth Day I was kind of last minute throwing stuff together and then you know and, and I did fine at Earth Day um, Sugar Badger went great though, and I, a lot of that was that that day of you know all everything that I'd done leading up to it made the day of the race so much easier. Cause it's like any of the shorter races, you show up and you run, and use what's at the aid stations. You know, you you're not uh, maybe you need some gels for a marathon. Um. Or, you know, you're running a half or a 10K. Like, you're not even worried about aid stations. You're just you're going to take the Gatorade that's at the, the, the aid stations and go. As you start getting, the, the longer your distance, that's much more thought needs to go into what do you do. And if you get it good and you got like a, a down system, then it's a lot easier. Mm. So these last, you know, Tunnel Hill and this race, like Tunnel Hill, I was more stressed out about the actual distance. Like I was worried about, you know, where, where, am, where, you know, am I going to get mentally down or, you know, this, that, and the other. And I want to make sure that I have what I need at my drop bags. Cause I didn't have any crew. I didn't have pacers. Like, I needed to be able, like, I needed my drop bags to have everything I could need. Um, cause no one's going to be able to like run out and get something or whatever. Um, and I didn't know what I would need. It was my first time trying for a hundred. This race, like 
I had all the gear I needed. I just, it was just such a mass of gear and I didn't, I didn't give myself enough time to prep it all. So it just leads to that day of chaos and that chaos. Yeah, I got out the gate. I had everything I needed, but it added a lot of stress to me. And I think that wore me out okay. a little bit. Well, that so, makes sense. Um. So, so yeah, you know, and, and again, back to the question of would I do it again? You know, I left there and I said... Well, you know, I still love, you know, winter. Uh, I want to do more winter camping. Like, I love being outdoors in the winter, and I've got the gear to do it. Like, I want to do that. I don't know. I don't know that I love racing. Okay. In winter. That's, that's you know what? That's fair. That's fair, and it's that was the whole point of you doing it, to figure out whether or not this was something you wanted to start, like, folding into your yearly run schedule. Right. And then today I thought, okay, so next time, here's what I'm going to do. Then, <laughs> You're already like, but I could go back and do it again. So here, here's the weird thing. Because... I here here's what I'm having trouble with, Seth. Okay. Lay it on me. Tunnel Hill, I DNF'd. Um and I I don't I, I don't feel like this huge driver to go back there okay. and redeem myself. I, I really don't. Um and and we talked about it in the last podcast. A lot of that is just that the time of year is just such a high likelihood of me getting sick. Especially with a kid in school, mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to, I don't want to put like a big goal in that time slot. Um, but I also like, I didn't leave Tunnel Hill feeling like I physically wasn't fit enough to do this. Um, I knew I could finish Tunnel Hill. I left I left St. Croix and I said I'm saying to myself I wasn't fit enough to do this. Mm-hmm. If I was fit enough to do this and I came back, you know and and just the cards fell poorly cuz keep in mind I I DNF'd and there were plenty of other DNFs. The motherfucking leader lapped me. Oh. Not only did the leader lap me, <laughs> second place lapped me, oh, third no. place lapped me. I'm pretty sure fourth place lapped me, if not even fifth place. I, I was like, so, so there is a part of me that's like, this one I I'm more interested in redemption, okay, and and going and. And proving that I can do it. Um, well, because you stopped Tunnel Hill because you thought like, oh, I'm really going to hurt myself if I keep going. Yeah. This one, it sounds like you didn't finish it because y- there were certain aspects of training you maybe didn't know about or didn't know to bulk up on. So that's something you could sounds like you could like actually work on. So that doesn't yeah. surprise me that this is the one where you're thinking like, I could go back to that motherfucker and punch it in the teeth. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good that uh, we figured that out. Yeah. 
Now, well, welcome to Bob and Sass's Running Therapy Podcast. Now, would I do it um, next year? Uh, that I don't know. Okay. Um, and that's purely because I kind of want to just, this year, I just want to get through, I just focus on Badger. Let me knock this one out. And then I will decide after that what I want to do. I don't want to think too much about beyond there. Um, but, uh, so, um, so yeah, I mean, and so that's me. So we're, I'm about to just embark on this, um, eight week training plan, mm-hmm. which we're going to do together. Um, do you, uh, do you have a plan? Do you? No, no okay. plan at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I've been, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to see how far I can go at a comfortable pace. Um, cause the winter is where I always kind of fall off. Um, so I'm going to see where I am as far as distance goes. Mm-hmm. And then based off of that, I'm going to kind of plan, um, like an, we got like we got a little over eight weeks until this thing happens, right? Yeah. And then I'll kind of put something together just because there is a, a a finish date on this. Usually January is when I start to like actively physical. I'm always active, um, but I tend to taper off on the running through November and December. January mm-hmm. is when I kind of get back in there. Yeah. So this is where I'm. I've got to see like, all right, where am I? Because it's not like I stop working out. Um, but running is just a different animal than yoga or swimming or anything like that. So I'm just going to see where the cards have fallen at this moment and then kind of see where I need to bulk up. Now, would you be interested in a training plan? I want to say yes, Bob, but I know that my schedule is so weird that it just wouldn't work out. (laughs) Okay. That's fair enough. I appreciate you offering though. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I haven't picked a plan. I, I, I like training plans personally. Um, I like the structure of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but not everyone uses them, so I, I'm just curious. I think I only ever used one when I knew I was going. I think I, oh, there was one I was going like seven, eight miles, and I made sure I trained with that just because I it was a further distance than I was used to going. Mm-hmm. Usually with a five k, I just kind of I just sort of wing it, and so far it's worked. I can't necessarily uh, say that's the best way to go about it, but that's <laughs> how I do it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, now you did tell me earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. that you uh, tre- checked out the Trail Society. I'm really enjoying that podcast. I Thank yeah. you for recommending it. Yeah, I've listened to a couple episodes now. Yeah. And now you've got some interest in running I on a trail. I love running outside, and I love running in the woods, and I... I always loved it when we got to train for the Ragbri and we took these trails like out into the middle of nowhere, but I, I very rarely do it just because I don't like to run by myself in those situations. I get a little mm-hmm. paranoid. Um, so now uh, hearing people talk about it, I'm like, oh, that would be so cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. How do you feel about like, I don't know, running in Wisconsin? That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. I could okay. do that. I could do that. Okay. You got a gleam in your eye right now, so we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> what, what what the gears are turning, and <laughs> we'll see what comes out of this. Um, uh, I I think um, I mean, it, trail running has been fun. It, the community is great, mm-hmm. and you you, find, you get the right group of people to run with. Um. I think more interesting than anything we've talked about tonight, at least in my 
for me is uh, not yesterday, which is St. Croix. The week before, I did a run. Okay. For shrimp. Shrimp? For fried shrimp. Fried shrimp. Are you aware of Calumet Fisheries? Uh, the name sounds familiar. It is this fried, is this like little fish place on the, like the southernmost part of Chicago. It's like mm-hmm. two miles from the Indiana border. Okay. And they have fried shrimp. Oh. And it's amazing. Okay. So I went with a bunch of folks from uh, the the 10 Junk Miles Nation. Mm-hmm. And we ran 10 miles. Okay. To get the shrimp. And then another 10 miles back. Ooh. And it was just enormous fun. I've done things for pie before. I've never done it for shrimp. But I yeah. mean, I do like shrimp enough where I, yeah, no, I could understand wanting to run 10 miles for shrimp. It's, it's just, you get, oh, the, the, the fried shrimp is so good and you get the fries. And they, It's good to have a reward. It, it is. It is. When I, was a, when I was younger, we used to run for bananas because they were trying to get more potassium into us. But I feel the fried shrimp is just a much better uh, reward. Yes, than a banana. It was, it, and it was like it was like a good amount of food. Like I hear, are you aware of um, oh, what's it called? The oh, it's a race in North Carolina, uh, the Krispy Kreme Challenge. I think it's. Called. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Krispy Kreme. I did a bacon run once. That was fun. I don't know that I'd want to run two miles, eat a dozen donuts, and then run two miles back. I just, I feel like I would, you know, just be reliving the first time my dad took me out to run. Just, just like, hang on, terrible. I have to go throw up. <laughs> now, they have a, or they did last year over here in the Forest Preserve next to me, like, this race where um, you run a mile. It was like a half marathon. Mm-hmm. You ate a donut every mile. It, it it sounds fun in theory, but I know during the race, like my whole stomach would just be going, "That's a no. That's a solid no from me. No, thank you." When we're done, yes. <laughs> like, do they have des- like do they have designated like vomit areas? You would hope so. You got to plan for that stuff. <laughs> because I did the hot chocolate run, which is just a, a fun race in Chicago. Um, excellent hoodie. But they would hand out like M and M's as you were running, and uh-huh. uh, in theory, again, great idea. In practice, not so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always the best thing. Um, at the Chicago Marathon this year, somebody gave me something on the side of the road, and I ate it, and it was delicious, and it was the best thing ever. Was it a hot dog? It was not a hot dog. Um. Ah. Why can't I remember? Oh, it was a Swedish fish. A Swedish fish. <laughs> it was Swedish fish. So they gave me a couple Swedish fish, and it was the best thing ever. And then, like, I was on a kick for, like, a month of, like, buying Swedish fish. You were just, like, just reliving that happy moment when all the dopamine filled your brain. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So um, any other topics you wanted to cover before we wrap up? Not that I can think of. No. All right. Well, then... Um, We'll call it here. Uh, thank you all again for listening. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I think next episode about a month from now. And uh, have a wonderful uh, morning, afternoon, evening, 
if you're in space, <laughs> I don't know what you you're have. floating up there right now. Have a wonderful orbit. Yeah. <laughs> Name a comet after us, please. There we go. <laughs> Bye. Bye.